Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Larkspur, a podcasting project that captures stories and conversations, helping us foster empathy and find empowerment in our daily lives. Hi guys, so I'm Vicky. I'm Danielle. I'm Connie. I'm Ellie. And we're in part of a book club, actually, that we started <laughs> and we decided to watch the movie Tiger Tail that recently came out onto Netflix. I came into the movie having already heard um, two of my good friends' opinion on the movie, and they both really did not like it. <laughs> One funny. <laughs> and, and then so me, Danielle and I watched it together, actually, and we had sort of these like low expectations as to how the movie was going to go. Um, but then we actually ended up like quite liking it. It evoked <laughs> a lot of emotions for me, I think. Yeah, I guess we should go around and do like general impressions of the movie first. I would say that. I had very high expectations going in just because, um, so I watched it with a friend who was familiar with Alan Yang's previous mm. works, like his television series that he's done. And he said that like, oh, it's like, he does stuff really well. His work is pretty good quality. So he had high expectations. So I had high expectations. Maybe that was part of it. But yeah, like I just remember, especially the first time the daughter was introduced or back when we get to like modern day U.S., I just remember thinking like, oh my God, the conversation is like so stilted and awkward. And I was like, wow, like I've never felt like mediocrity so, pro- like so, like, it was so, I just felt it so much. <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm not good at judging necessarily like what good production mm. is or good acting. I'm not like a really good connoisseur of that, but I just felt the mediocrity. <laughs> okay, I have a question there though. Do you think that like awkwardness mostly came from the writing itself or from the acting? Yeah, I actually, Mm. like, when I first mentioned it, when we were watching it, my friend was like, okay, I think it's just a script. And, like, I honestly, I think it's so mediocre. I really can't tell where it's coming from. I think it's definitely the script. Like, the the script definitely plays a big part of it. And, like, the actors don't have much to work with. I I really can't say because I don't know the actors in many other contexts, except the main guy who was in, like, Mm. Riverwell. Yeah, it was a script. And also the directing, I think. I do agree with you that, like, the the father-daughter conversations were extremely awkward and like stilted and like I I felt like awkward kind of watching them because it it kind of for me it felt like very melodramatic in a sense but I think like the portrayal of that relationship like really echoed my own relationship with my father in a sense in that like we Mm. like I, I guess like I don't have like an amazing relationship with my father in that we're not like openly communicative and I think, like, I, I kind of, like, felt it, you know? Like, I, I felt the awkwardness. I was able to relate to it. So I, I don't think this was an amazing film production-wise, but I think I related to the story in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that kind of frustrates me about the film is that I really like what Alan Ying was trying to do, like, the theme and, like, generational tensions between, like, immigrants and their children. And I also definitely related to that. Um, like, there were parts in the movie where I was like, oh, damn, like... I really feel that but I feel like it didn't hit as much as it could have because it wasn't done well so I really admire like what he was trying to do but I just don't think he did it well enough I feel like just because someone's trying to do something new doesn't mean that the movie's good like I appreciate what he's trying to do I just don't think he did it well so I'm saying it's a bad movie but I do appreciate the effort that's interesting. When I was watching it, I watched both Tiger Tail and The Farewell, and I actually liked Tiger Tail a lot better than The Farewell, even mm-hmm. though I think The Farewell was more widely acclaimed. But I just found 
the production of Tiger Tail didn't bother me at all, actually. Like, I didn't think at all about the acting being bad or, like, the directing being bad at all during the movie. I just felt like it felt very raw and authentic to me, and I think none of it stood out to me as being bad production. But I also had no preconception of the movie prior to watching it. I didn't read anything about it. Yeah, I guess, like, what what about the production, Connie, did you find, like, was there, like, something, like, specific about the production that, like, really stood out to you as something that they really should have done better? I don't think there was much character development, especially with the daughter. Like, we do have some flashback scenes of, like, her playing the piano, and I thought that was a really good scene, but, like, we don't really get much. Like, we don't really know much about her. Everything's very, like, I don't know. It just wasn't, I feel like, well-developed in that sense. And also, in terms of just some of the scenes and the plot, I feel like there was just so many holes. Like, I, he just shows, like, very brief moments of, like, his life as a young person coming to the U.S. There wasn't much, like, I just felt like there was, like, kind of a disconnect throughout the movie. And also, there were just, like, a lot of scenes where the father is just sitting alone in his kitchen drinking tea, looking sad. And there's a point to it, but I felt like he overdid it because there are so many scenes like that that it just was, like, unnecessary. Now that I think about it, it, I sort of watched it like one would read a poem. Like, I took the, the movie sort of like it was a more poetic representation about this man's life. And I think, like, those sort of disconnects mm-hmm. that we're, like, talking about Connie, like, I think I didn't mind them as much because they sort of allowed the viewer and, like, myself to fill in a lot of those holes or see parts of my own story within the broader story itself. So I understand, like, where you're coming from of, like, you don't really see a lot of that character development. And I remember I was talking with one of my other friends who watched it and said that at the end, like, the father didn't really seem to open up much more and he continued to repress a lot. And my argument back was that is true, but I feel like a lot of the point of the movie is to say that these things are very difficult for him to do. And him opening up even as little as he did, was comparatively a lot for him. So I actually saw it as a huge character development for the father at the time when he like finally opened up at the very end. Um, And I understand it's a little bit, like someone could see as kind of tropey, like him taking his daughter all the way to Taiwan to show her his uh, family's home. But from what I understand, that's also something that happens pretty commonly. And I guess one of the things I've been thinking about as well is after The Farewell and Crazy Rich Asians came out, there was so much criticism about both of them. And I remember reading in articles about saying how a lot of these films that are are supposed to be for Asian representation, it's sort of like they fall into their own trap because people expect it to sort of like fit everyone who identifies as Asian and Asian American under this like one story and I think that a lot of the times like we watch it and if we don't think that it's it doesn't fit exactly with our story then I feel like we often have this like adverse reaction to it like oh that's a trope oh that's being overplayed that's overdone or um that's not authentic that's what I've sort of been like thinking about and struggling with like like where are these critiques really coming from essentially I think my criticism still mainly comes from like just like story like the storytelling perspective of like how well he did the storytelling and how he put together ideas like it was a good idea but just not well put together 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think if I found the purpose of the movie to be the telling of a uh, immigrant father and his daughter's relationship, I would also not like it as much. I think I was almost kind of taking the lens of like Alan Yang and I was relating like a lot of the movie throughout to what I know about my mom's life, for example. Mm-hmm. I think I enjoyed the disconnect so much because it shows like how much you don't know about your parents' life. Like for me, um, a lot of like the tidbits he knew about his parents, like in this case, the immigrant father's life and like the cases that he showed and what we did know about his life is similar to like what I know about my parents' life growing up. And I think the fact that it wasn't a cohesive story, I appreciated because like if it was such a cohesive plot line, I feel like it wouldn't be him imagining what his parents' life was like. I feel like it would just be like the telling of like an immigrant father and like his daughter's relationship. But I don't know if that was his purpose in it. For me, it actually gave me a lot of like visual grounding for stories that my grandparents and stories that my parents have told me. So for example, um, my parents actually, they got married um, after knowing each other for around three months. And I asked them, mm-hmm. why, why did they get married? And then my mom had said, oh, we were both looking for marriage at the time. Mm-hmm. Not about love, but... Anyway, they were both looking for marriage and they got married. And then the next day after their wedding, they moved to the U.S. And I was just like, wow, that is like so insane. And then I think like the the scene of them like leaving in the car towards the U.S. For me, it like captured the fear they must have felt. I guess I was just imagining my parents' fear as well, like going to a place they've never been before, literally the day after they got married. That was just something that was like personally salient to me. And then also my my grandparents met while working in a factory, so kind of similar to the grandmother and the son. Mm -hmm. So that was, that gave me a lot of sort of visual grounding of like the the kinds of workplace accidents, actually, that, for example, the uh, the grandmother, she got her arm like kind of stuck in a machine. And one of my great aunts, she had also worked in a factory and like some of her fingers are not there because she has had like a lot of those workplace accidents. And so I thought that was some really interesting elements that Alan Yang like put in the movie that gave me a lot of visual resources to imagine how these stories might have happened. I also thought it was really interesting just like seeing like all the scenes with him just sitting with his tea. Um, I thought it was really interesting in like capturing the disillusionment in terms of like immigrants coming here hoping for a better life and then not everyone achieves like the dream that they set out achieving. and. I think it was really interesting, like, his phone call with his mother, like, oh, I came here to America for you to, like, try and, like, build a better life for, like, him and his family, but then he just ends up being, like, a divorcee with kids, and he doesn't have a good relationship with his kids, and he's not happy, Um, and his mom is like, oh, I didn't even, like, care whether or not you went or not. It just felt, like, very realistic to me and also kind of heartbreaking. It's so interesting that immigrants, like, idealized the U.S., in those days and I feel like now it's almost like the opposite where a lot of people because of a lot of unstable political situations Mm -hmm. that are happening in the U.S. I think a lot of people who are born in the U.S. are like considering living outside of the U.S. now and so I think it's it's such an interesting flip to see the immigrant story of like why people want to come to the U.S. in the first place and then now in current day like why people want to flee. Yeah and I think like One other thing that I liked about the movie is like growing up with two brothers as well. I've always been, I've, I've, I've thought a lot about like, especially Asian male repression 
And then growing up and thinking more about like my grandparents, I see them as two very repressed, also individuals. And my grandma has mental health illness. And it was only recently where in like the past like year and a half where she finally started to open up about things in the past. And it was heartbreaking seeing like how those scenes played out because they were like bursts. They were like bombs. She was fine one second and then another second she's she's crying and screaming about something that her husband, my grandfather, did to her in the past. And it sort of made me empathize with the mother's character when much older she's having this conversation with her husband that she already divorced when she was going through the divorce and sort of blowing up again too and just being like I have not been happy for so long with you and I think just repression itself is I'm not sure if it's something cultural or something because of that immigrant mentality or just being born in um, like war-stricken countries Um, or a combination of all of that. But I think it's just such an important topic to talk about. So him just also sitting there with the tea made me think a lot about his mental health and how it may have been affected by his repression and his past. I was curious as to what were your guys' favorite parts in the movie or like when you felt like the most emotional. For like me and Danielle, when we were watching the one time that both of us cried, was when the dad meets up again with his like former lover and we were both just like in tears and then just because he looked so happy in those moments it just felt like this like huge weight was lifted off his shoulders and smiling and he was happy that really got to me (laughs) yeah i think the part that made me the emotional most emotional i don't know if it was just because it's like the buildup throughout the movie, but I felt the most emotional at the end when um, the daughter went back to Taiwan with her father and just like got to see like the places that he grew up in. I don't know exactly what it was about that, but I just found that really touching in terms of like making you want to learn more about like your background culturally. Um, I feel like that moment made me wish I knew more about my familial background and just like history. And I think it was like interesting to see that shot out because I feel like a lot of people aren't afforded that opportunity to actually like go to their parents' home and like see the places they grew up in. And I thought that was like, I thought that was like very beautifully done. I didn't really have any huge emotional reactions throughout the movie, which is surprising given that I usually cry really easily. (laughs) I would say that probably the one that got me the closest is the scene with like after the piano recital when the daughter was like in the car and the father was like lecturing her and she was crying. Mm. That was probably like the best scene in the movie, but I just felt like there wasn't enough of that. Like he just showed this one moment and like that's kind of it. So I just felt like there wasn't enough development, especially with the daughter. I really love that scene as well, Connie, because like similar things have happened to me, literally like at like a, if I mess up in like a cello or piano recital or something and then I would be so sad afterward and then my dad would just oh suck it up there's why are you crying like and I think like that messaging of like oh why why are you crying like don't cry has made me like not vocalize a lot of my emotions like even now yeah I think like that that theme of like repression that Vicky was talking about I think like he he's like passing it on to his, his next generation 
because of his own traumas. So I thought that was a really powerful moment. It's interesting because even in that moment, I felt less sympathy for the daughter than for the father. I think I just really liked his character. And for some reason, like the movie to me felt a lot about like sacrifice and the sacrifices that he made for his family, both his mother as well as like his children. And to me, like that mentality of like not crying, not showing any weakness is very common in terms of like immigrant families where it's just that that sort of strength feels necessary to them, I think, to be able to like go to a new country and like learn a new language and like get a new job. I almost feel like being an immigrant like makes you a lot more resilient just through those hard ex- hardships and experiences. And I feel like sometimes like the maybe like the only way they know how to handle that is to like not show any weakness and just be strong. Yeah, I think that's definitely characteristic of like the kind of strength you need to build up as an immigrant. And I think that's also one of the things he's trying to point out with like the difference or the divide between the immigrant and his children, like that general divide, because like the children don't necessarily have to go through those difficulties. And that's the whole point of like sacrificing so much for your children is that they don't have to do that. And then like that kind of like difference in what the like the father experienced versus what the daughter experiences, like and trying to push those ideals onto her is I think the problem, like, Mm. because the way it comes off to me is like, oh, don't cry. It almost sounds like, not like, oh, don't cry. You have to be strong to survive in this world, but almost as if he's like, what do you have to cry for? You didn't have to suffer. Mm. Like that kind of feeling. It's like a lot more, it feels a lot more antagonistic, like whether or not that was his intention or not. Regardless of his intention, it's kind of like the communicational divide between immigrants who have to have that as a survival tactic versus the next generation. Yeah, and I think like, like one sort of metaphorical device that he uses to capture that divide that you were talking about, Connie, is I think with like the language, I think like language has been, at least for myself, like I do speak Mandarin with my parents. If there's like a confrontation, I immediately use English because I feel like that's the language I need to use to articulate myself. He sort of represented this by this like all these awkward conversations between the daughter and the father that they were using English and then only at the very end when they found themselves in Taiwan together and finally opening up a little bit more to each other were they speaking Mandarin to each other. So I I feel like he was also trying to represent sort of like bridging this divide um, and how much language actually plays into that divide. I just found it interesting too. I don't know much about Taiwan's history, but I found it really interesting just even in the beginning of the movie when he had the um, immigrant father speak Taiwanese, like with his grandmother as well as his mother, but then he spoke Mandarin, like once they um, moved like back to the city with his mom. And I thought it was interesting, like how it wasn't necessarily captured in the subtitles, whether or not they were speaking in Taiwanese or uh, Mandarin Chinese, but there was uh, like sometimes that flip. Yeah, that was definitely mm. cool to see. But also very accurate, I think. Like, my cousins who live in Taiwan, like, some of them know Taiwanese, but some of them don't because of, like, the educational system. Mm. Uh, Wait, that, that scene when the um, the people from the KMT were coming to, like, find the child, uh, that was very reminiscent of a lot of stories I've heard growing up. For example, my friend's grandmother would talk about stories about how, like, the police would barge into their homes and start Mm -hmm. stabbing rice bags because like some people would like hide their children inside rice bags so they would just stab rice bags like in case there was a child there 
I don't know why they were killing children specifically, but I just know it was part of like the whole cultural revolution in China. And it was a very bloody massacre that has been erased out of a lot of history. There was like another scene that bothered me towards the end where like the daughter was hosting like Chinese New Year at her apartment. I remember I was like, I was, when we first started the scene, I was like, oh, what is this gathering? Is it someone's birthday? Is it? <laughs> and then all of a sudden she's like, happy Chinese New Year. And I'm like, yeah, oh, okay. Like one of my friends said that like, oh, this is probably just the depiction of like the divide between how like this new generation celebrates Chinese New Year. I feel like that was a little also pushing it just because like I feel like even if you're celebrating Chinese New Year with your friends you would make it like it wouldn't just be like some random bougie app apartment gathering that could be like Christmas or someone's birthday you know what I mean? I feel like if you're not brought up like knowing what the traditions are for those sorts of holidays though it makes sense that like she doesn't know like how to celebrate it traditionally. I, I guess like it would be almost weird for her to like throw a more traditional celebration if that isn't what she was like brought up doing oh i i thought that was like a um a housewarming party i didn't even know i didn't even know it was a oh Oh, yeah we thought it was housewarming (laughs) it looked like it because her house got got really pretty (laughs) like where it's like sometimes like even i like even if i know like certain things are like traditional ways of celebrating if i like wasn't taught to do that like by my family i feel weird like doing it like for example like um (laughs) this is kind of like a specific example but I remember my friend was considering wearing like a chi pa like one of the traditional Chinese dresses on Chinese New Year and to me that like seems so foreign because like I don't own one that's like not something that I've ever worn and that's not something that like my mom has taught me to do but it made sense to her to wear that to celebrate Chinese New Year because that's like the way that she was brought up to like celebrate but to me, I would feel like I'm almost like appropriating the culture by wearing it, even though I'm Asian American. I don't know if that makes sense. I felt like maybe the director was trying, or Alan Yang was trying to make a point about this is the generational divide that you see between immigrants and their children who don't know the culture as well. But if that was his point, maybe like he was too heavy handed. I don't know. I just had an issue with that scene. This like somewhat relates, but I'm taking a class on multilingualism this quarter and we were talking about like the stability of multilingualism and being bilingual among people who um, immigrate. So for example, first generation immigrants, they usually become bilingual or like their native tongue is still their native tongue. And then they learn, for example, English as their second language, second generation, which is what I am. And I think what most of you guys are, are mostly bilingual but then the bilingualism is usually lost by the third generation and this is like a very common trend right and so i guess if we apply it to not just language but also like cultural Mm -hmm. traditions like i think Mm. i think it's like a point on the instability of cultural practices when you have contacts with other cultures and Mm. i think the the scene yeah, the, the Chinese year, New Year party scene kind of exemplifies that as well. That kind of terrifies me to think that that might be the way that my children may celebrate Chinese New Year. Yeah. Just because it does, like, not that, I guess it's still nice that they're, like, paying tribute to the holiday, but it just, it just does feel so, like, separate from the culture. I think it's in some ways how my parents view a lot of, for example, TASA events. Yeah, like, I think we, we try 
to like incorporate like cultural events through the Taiwanese American Student Association. But then when my parents like ask me about it, sometimes I feel like almost embarrassed, you know, like uh, it's like a very Asian American way of, of celebrating something or of, mm. for example, like a, the Spring Lantern Festival. Like you don't, we don't do that in Taiwan. Like it's just like kind of a thing that we've initiated on this campus here, but it's kind of like that. Yeah, I guess that point also depends on the degree of assimilation of your parents. So I know for my example, like my parents were more on the assimilation side where mm -hmm. yes, they sent me to like, um, like a Taiwanese Chinese school um, and they wanted to make sure I could speak Chinese. But there are many points where it was also clear, like they didn't really, they didn't really like tell me to celebrate all the, of the holidays that they celebrated. And then they also took a lot of the, the celebrations very low key. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas like, I know like, like one of my friends, she was saying that her mom instills like, instilled like a very strong degree of Han elitism within her. <laughs> There's just definitely also a difference as to like how your parents also coming to America approach how they wanted their children to think about their heritage and their culture. But anyway, thanks guys for <laughs> having this conversation on uh, Tiger Tail. Yeah, I hope that we can do something like this again. Yeah.